0: Is your heart receptive? Your mind is open, ready to hear from God? All right, say this. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. And after today, I will never be the same in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, slap three people, high five and say he's more than enough. All right. Well, come on, open up your note sheets and let's get started. He is the God of more than enough. Amen. He's more than enough for you. He's more than enough for me. He knows everything. I don't know how he knows everything. I don't know how he knows all your business and knows all mine, too. I don't know how he knows everything, but yet he forgets my sin. He's a big old God. He's bigger than you could even imagine. He is big, and he's awesome, and he's mighty, and he's wonderful, and he's good, and he's merciful. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. So number one, God is more than enough. He's El Shaddai. That means he's all powerful, almighty God, all sufficient, all powerful sustainer who triumphs over every obstacle. There's not one obstacle that he's not bigger than bigger than you might feel like you're going through something that's just bigger than you can handle. Well, you know what? It's not too big for our God. He'll get you through anything. Hallelujah. And make you a victor on the, on the other side of it. He's Elohim. He's a strong creator. Whatever you need, if it doesn't exist, He can create it for you because He's still a creating God. He'll see, He's still saying, let there be. He's Adonai, the Lord strong and mighty. He's Jehovah, the self-existent eternal God who's revealing Himself. He is the great I am. Help me say it. He's who, what, when, where, why, how, And because he's all of that in a bag of chips. Amen. He is everything we need. And then he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord God, my healer. I mean, you know, he's still a he's still a healing God. He is still able to heal. Jesus went about doing good and doing what? Healing all who were oppressed by the enemy for God was with him. All who were oppressed by the devil. He is still a healing God. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner of victory. We're not trying to get the victory. Come on. We already have the victory. From that cross, he shouted, it is finished. And the work of redemption, the work of putting us back in right relationship with God, the work of of fixing anything that could go wrong in our lives, it has already been done. We already have the victory in Christ. We already have the victory in the cross. The Bible says he made a show of him openly. He made a show of the devil openly triumphing over him in it. In what? In the cross. He humbled himself so low that God has lifted him up so high and has given him the name that is above every other name. And at that name. Come on, help me. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So whatever you're dealing with, that's the name that's above every other name. He is Jehovah Nisi. There is power in that name. There's power in the blood. There's power. When you don't know what to say, just say Jesus. When you don't know how to pray over your situation, all you got to say is Jesus. I need you. Jesus, help me. He's He's the one who sticks closer than a brother. He's not far off somewhere, but I want you to know that he's with you today. He's right there with you today. Tell your neighbor, he's right there with you today. And then he's Jehovah-Rohi. He's the Lord, my shepherd. He is the Lord, my shepherd. He's the one who leads me, the one who guides me. He's the one who'll get you through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. It gets me through. It takes me from here to there. God's word will get you through. He's gonna walk you through it. He'll take you from mountaintop to mountaintop. There might be a valley in between, but you are not in that valley by yourself. I will walk you through it, says the Lord. You know what? He won't even allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. He's even in the temptation with you. He's like, come on, I'm not going to let you be tempted, tried or assayed beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, I'll also give you a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Psalm 23, 1 says the Lord, my shepherd, or that's Jehovah Rohi, I shall not want. John 10, 27 through 30 in the message says my sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Look at this. I give them real and eternal life. I know I was alive before I got born again, but I was—I didn't really live. It wasn't real life. I didn't know what real life was until I stuck my hands up in there and says, I give up. I give up. I give you control of my life. There was so much freedom and surrender that that, that's when I really began to live. Colors seemed brighter. Things looked, I seemed like I saw God in everything. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Roy Lee? Everything got better. Everything got different. Have I been through some things through then? You'd have to be here all day if I told you everything I've been through the last 20 some odd years. 25 years this year. You'd be here all day. I've been through some stuff. But you know what? I did not go through them by myself. And here I stand. Here I stand. Hallelujah. So real and eternal life. They're protected from the destroyer for good. Look at this. No one can steal them from out of my hand. The father who put them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and thief. No one could ever get them away from him. And then today I want to say he's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. The Lord who is present. God is here now. God with us. Emmanuel, they said. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It means the veil has been rent and the power and presence of God dwells with you and with me. He's not some far off place, but he's in you. He's in me. He's with us. He's in us. He's everywhere. No one could ever get them away from him. Zephaniah 317 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Look at it in the message. It says, Your God is present among you, a strong warrior there to save you, happy to have you back. He'll calm you with his love and delight you with his songs. Number one, God is with me, and he's on my side. God is with me. You know, we can go through th- some things and you can say, God, where are you? How could this be happening to me? Where are you? He didn't say we wouldn't go through some things. He said that we would. He said in this life, in this life, you will have. He said, but I've, I've told you this so that in me you might have peace. So he sets it all up by saying, I, I'm telling you this, so that in me you're going to have some peace. In this life, you will have tribulation, trials, troubles sorrows of all kinds he said but cheer up i've overcome the world i have deprived it of power to harm you so you can look at your situation square in the face you can point your finger back at the devil and say you do not have power to harm me this situation does not have power to harm me and somehow this is going to work together for good because i love god and i'm called according to his purpose this week we a friend of ours lost their daughter she took her life her Own life, young girl, only twenty-nine years old, and I meditated all week. I said, God, talk to me about this. They asked me to do the funeral, and then they they um I had to have someone else do it instead because of the rules at the church. So, but I was just meditating. Oh God, how how can you get glory in a situation like this? He said, Don't ever get it twisted. All things will work together for my good. But those who are called according to my purpose. And if nothing else, it causes me to it caused me to seek God. I say, God, where where are you in this? Where are you in this? You know, and sometimes when people don't know God and they suffer with depression or bipolar or, or or whatever it is, this spirit of heaviness, this spirit of suicide, and they don't know how to fight, they can sometimes succumb to the sometimes fatal illness of depression. It caused me to seek and to Really look at the mercy of God. And God just showed me a flash of one of the worst things I ever did. I said, Oh, what was that? He said, my mercy. My mercy. I said, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your mercy. Hallelujah. And so somehow he makes all things work together for good. So he's with us and he's on our side. Romans 8:31 through 35 says, So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God before us, who can be against us? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us embracing our condition, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. I don't know how he can be in me and still in the presence of God sticking up for me, but I know it's true because the Word says so. Hallelujah. He's with us and he's on our side. You know, Gideon could win against a huge army with only 300 people. Why? Why? Because God was with him. The children of Israel crossed the sea on dry ground. Why? Because God was there. They were pressed between a rock and a hard place. How many of you have ever been stuck between a rock and a hard place? Two no-good decisions. God can make you win even in a situation like that because God was there. God was there with them. And this is, this is, this is one of my, one of my favorite scriptures because it shows you when you feel pressed, God is there. When you, when you feel like, God, what are you going to do? How am I going to get, I don't know what, and you feel like you want to panic. Calm yourself down for a minute and say, God, you are here with me. Now what you going to do? How are you going to get me through this? I know you're here with me. And in this situation, the children of Israel had come out from Pharaoh, and they were trapped there at the Red Sea. Okay, we can either drown or let them kill us. But God said, no, there's another option. And the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire came around them, came around the children, because he was leading them. He led them right to that place where it looked like their backs were against the wall. And God came around and got between them and their enemy. It says that he came and got between them. And it says that God looked down through the pillar of cloud and saw the Egyptians coming after his people. Woo, how many times has God looked down and see what's coming after you that you don't even have a clue is even coming after you? And he, start, he said, uh-uh. No, that's my child. Look what it says in Exodus fourteen twenty four. It says, during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. Woo, I love that. It said he made the wheels of their chariots come off so they had difficulty driving. God will cause your enemy to have a hard time staying after you. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them. This is not even fair. This is not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. See, when you're pressed, you might be pressed, but you're not crushed. You might be persecuted, but you're never going to be abandoned. Might be struck down, but you'll never be destroyed. Why? Because he's with us. He's with us. He's Jehovah Shammah. The three Hebrew boys came through the fire. Why? Because God got in the fire with them. They said, we ain't going to bow down to you. We will not bow down to you, O king. And, and, and God, our God is able to save us from this fire. This fire that's been heated up seven times hotter than it ever usually is heated up. Our God is able to deliver, it, deliver us. But let, just let it be known, if we're not delivered, we will never bow down to you. So they threw him into the fire, and the people who threw them in died because the fire was so hot. But the king got up and looked, and he said, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three people into the fire? But I see four, and one of them looks like the Son of Man. So even though they were thrown into a fire, God was walking around in the fire with them. And the, and the, and the king told them out and said, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, y'all come out here. And they walked out of the fire that just killed people because it was so hot. The Bible says their hair wasn't singed. Neither was their clothes even burnt. They didn't even smell. They, so they had to handle them, look at them, sniff them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because God was walking around in there with them. So I'm telling you, you don't have to look like where you've been. I'm telling you, God can bring you out and set you up in such a way that you will not look like where you've been. Just know that he's with you on your journey. You can go through some things that are absolutely even hard to describe. But God is there with you, and he'll get you through it, and you won't even look like where you've been. I lived through a truck wreck. flipped three times going 60 miles an hour. Got ready to pass this guy. This guy turned into the back duel of a a, a one-ton dually, skidded sideways on the concrete, going 60 miles an hour. we hit the grass, started flipping. Kaboom, 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 kaboom. You can't believe how loud it was. All the glass had broken out. But... There's no time to pray in a time like that. You got to know God's with you. No time to even say G- no time to even say anything. It's just suddenly happening. You got to trust that God is there. There's no time to even think. I just closed my eyes and waited waited for it to to stop flipping. When it stopped flipping, I was right side up. Everything. It, there was a little place just for my head where the metal was all bent on the roof, just for my head. Now, some of my hair was on the outside of the truck, stuck in the folds of the, of the, of the uh, metal. But, but my head was fine. That means that the ground was so close as the, as the truck rolled over and over that my head easily could have been crushed. But my head wasn't crushed. God was with me. God had a plan for my life. There, there's some more stuff he had for me to do. So God was there with me. Amen. I'm telling you, God will be with you. I've lived through some heartaches. I've lived through, through some issues that I, a lot of people wouldn't have made it through. A lot of people wouldn't have made it. Wouldn't have made it. But I say, here I stand. And the only reason is because God is with me. Amen. And God gave me this word early this morning. He says, God says, don't ever think that I'm not there or that I'm not able. Write that down in your notes and put a big star by it. He said, don't you ever think that i'm not there or that i'm not able you need to erase that out of your mind he says the fiery darts will tell you he's not there you're by yourself you're going down but god says no those are lies 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 he said i am there don't you ever think that i'm not there that i'm not able number two we must be convinced that he's able to do anything amen You have to be so convinced and so persuaded, like Paul said, for I'm persuaded that death, nor life, nor anything here, nor anything there, nor anything to come, nor anything in my past, not not devils, not angels, nothing is able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He had to be fully persuaded that nothing could separate him from God. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is what? Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly abundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is, in, is at work within us. So as long as we let his power work through us, amen, we got to be convinced that he's able to do it. Whenever we're in faith and we believe that God can and that God will, that God wants to, that's where we're going to be blessed, amen. Romans 4, 20-21, it says, He, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So look, he, what was Abraham? He was fully convinced. Would y'all underline that right there? He was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So you've got to know God's able to do it. If he promised it, he's able to do it. If I'll put my faith on it, that's according to the power that works in us. His promises are yes and amen, but they're not automatic. It's our faith that brings them to pass. This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Even our faith. Amen. Luke 18, 27. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Genesis 18, 13. In the message, God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying me have a baby? An old woman like me? Verse 14. God said, is anything too hard for God? I'll be back about this time next year and Sarah will have a baby. That means within the next three months, she's going to conceive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43, 19, behold. Look, God says, behold, I'll do a new thing. Shall it not spring forth? Shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God said, I'll do something that seems so crazy so far off. If it means I got to put a river right through a desert, I can do it. It means I got to put a road through the wilderness that looks like there's, it's just barren and nothing there. God said, I'll do it. Hallelujah. Number three, exalt the promise and the promiser above everything else. You have to lift him up. You have to, you have to um, lift God up higher than anything that's coming against you. Lift up the promise and lift up the promiser. That's why we have to saturate our mind with his promises, with his word. Amen. So exalt it. Lift it up. So that means, what does that mean? When you get a doctor's report, you know what? It didn't even matter what your doctor's report said. Because I already have a good report from the Lord. He said, he said. By his stripes, we were healed. So it's already done. Those stripes he took on his back on the way to the cross, that was for me. That was for my healing. He's a personal Jesus. Hallelujah. He's a personal Jesus, and he took those stripes for me. So that means it's already done. And I lift up the promise higher than this this doctor's report. Glory to God. Psalm 27, 13. David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David exalted God in his promises above his situation. He saw the goodness of God manifest. When all his men were in debt, distress, and discontent, and they, all their wives and children and all their belongings had been carried off by the enemy and stolen while they were out with David fighting another war, they came home to find they'd been plundered. They started picking up rocks, looking at David like, how could you let this happen? That's a pretty bad situation. When you see all these people you thought were on your side suddenly got rocks in their hands. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the promises of God. And you know what? You can't wait for somebody else to come around and encourage you. You can't wait for somebody to lift the promise up. God will do that when you need it. But I'm telling you, you better rehearse the promises of God. You better be the one rehearsing the word of God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, Lord, do I go after him? And God said, go after him and recover all. So he led his men to go get their stuff and their people back. Amen. He lifted up the promise and the promiser above everything else. Hebrews 11:11 11, 11, it says, by faith. Sarah herself also received strength to conceive and bore a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. My, my hope is in the promiser and not in this old dead body. I'm an old woman, but he said by this time next year I'm going to have a baby. So I'm saying, he, I say that he's faithful. I say that he's, he's a promiser, and I say he's faithful to his promises. God says he exalts his word above all his name. He watches over it to perform it. Glory to God. Number two, God's more than enough process. So he's a more than enough God, and he wants us to have more than enough in life. Number one, he's concerned about every area of our lives. Every area. That means if it matters to you, it matters to God. Amen? So he's created with the promises a process to receive it. So Psalm 103, 2 through 5, let's look at the promise. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all oh, his benefits. So there's some benefits. It's kind of like when you get a new job, human resources brings you in and hands you some pamphlets and lets you know what your bennies are. Y'all know what bennies are? <laughs> your benefits. You know, what? how many days you have of sick days, how much vacation time you have, how much bonus you get each year. Come on, those are called benefits. When we came into the kingdom of God, it came with some bennies. Amen? It comes with some benefits. We have a contract. We have a better than a contract. We have a covenant with Almighty God signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And there are benefits that come with that. Psalm 103, It says, and, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Now, what is iniquity? Sin is the missing of the mark. But iniquity, iniquity is when, when people are so full of their sin that they don't even care anymore. They don't even care that they're going against God. They're just full of it, and they're like, oh, well. That's what iniquity is, and we've all done it. There's all been a time when we said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's called iniquity. But he says that there's a plan even to 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 get us um, forgiven for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. So he made a way for us to receive it, but we received that thing by faith. And so we have to We receive Jesus by faith. We were forgiven by our sins. There's a process that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sins. Saved from your iniquity. Saved from being separated from God because of our sin. But there's a process to receive it. you got to believe it in your heart. And then you got to confess it with your mouth. Somebody say process. There's a process to receive the benefits of God. Then he says, who heals all your diseases? I think you ought to really put an underline right there. You ought to spit on it. You ought to put a drop of blood. You ought to, if your pen ain't writing, you ought to fold it, dog ear it, tear it a little page. You ought to do something so that you always remember that he heals every disease. There's not one disease. Back in the Bible days, the disease that could not be healed was leprosy. People were banished for the rest of their lives because leprosy could not be healed. But yet we see Jesus healing people with leprosy. Hallelujah. There's not one disease. And so how does he heal? How does he heal? In the Bible, he gives us a pathway. He gives us a process. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him anoint them with oil. That's why this morning I came. I put oil on my hands and I anointed Brittany with oil. Why? He there any sick among you. You can be sick at heart. You can have em- an emotional thing. He says, is there any sick? He said, call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That's a promise. It'd be healing is a promise. He says, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So it's a process. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Healing is a process. It's a benefit of ours, but there's a process that goes along with it. Do y'all see that? If you're sick, you're in the hospital, say, Pastor, I'm in the hospital. I'll be right there. Amen. And we pray, and we release our faith. And so he says he redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. How many of you glad for that? How many of you glad for the mercy of God today? It says his mercy is new every morning. Glory to God. And then I love what he says on number five. He says, he says, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. That's so good because he'll satisfy your mouth with good things rather than chocolate cake or, you know, when we overeat the wrong things, it can lead to us not being healthy. Amen. But if we'll, you know, use discipline, he'll satisfy our mouth with those things that are better for us. Amen. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles. When we take care of ourselves and take care of our bodies, how many of you want to have your new youth renewed? See, all young people, y'all don't know yet. Y'all just don't know yet. Yeah, when you turn 30, stuff's going to start showing up. Where, where did that come from? Hold up. I used to get eat as much cereal as I wanted to. Where did that come from? And then when you turn 40, it starts to kind of droop. <laughs> then when you turn 50, it starts to hurt. I don't even want to know what happens when you turn 60, but you've got to take care of it. Amen. You gotta take, we got to take care of our bodies. And he said, I'll satisfy your mouth with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. If we, It's a proven fact. If you exercise and if you eat right, it's like turning the clock back on your body. All right. I know everybody's mad at me now, but that's all right. I ain't scared of y'all. All right. So number two, for every promise, principle, or prophecy, there's a faith process to bring it to pass. Amen. And we just talked about that, the, the anointing of oil, the laying on of hands. That's, a, that's an act of our faith, the prayer of faith. All right? So there's a process to bring it to path. Jo- John 10.10, 10, he said, I've come that they may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I can release my faith for that. But there's a process for it. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things And be in health just as your soul or your mind prospers. So that word prosper means to succeed, financially successful, flourish. It means to do well. How many of you want to do well financially? God has a plan for it. We want to be healthy. Amen. We want our souls to to be healthy, our minds to prosper. Amen. But he wants us to prosper in every area. He wants us to prosper in our relationships. He wants us to prosper in our finances. Amen. He wants us to prosper. And so our prosperity, our natural prosperity, our wealth is triggered by our giving. That's God's process for it. Number three, God places a spiritual blessing on our finances when we honor him through giving. So supernaturally, when we honor him with the tithe, with the tenth part, when we honor him with our offerings over and above, he causes, we, we return that tenth to him because it's his, right? And it causes a blessing to settle over what's yours. It causes a blessing. Come, it, causes it, it causes what you have to be consecrated. Amen. Hallelujah. So it causes a spiritual blessing. But God wants to be first in our hearts, in our lives, our motivations, our decisions. So when we have him in the right place and we honor him there, he consecrates our finances. When we honor him with our giving, with our finances. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it says, honor the Lord with your what? Possessions. One, one translation says, with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine so we see there that the honoring god first it causes the overflow and the plenty to be triggered in our lives amen ezekiel 4430 the best of all first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priests. So in other words, you bring it into the house of God. Also, you shall give to the priests the first of your ground meal. Do Look what happens. To cause a blessing to rest on your house. Praise God. Causes a blessing to rest on your house. But God doesn't want us to give just any kind of way. He does not want us to just throw something at the offering to say we did ours. He wants our hearts to be involved. That's why twice a year, I teach on this because it's very important to God. Twice a year, around this time and then around October or so, we'll teach on it again. Why Why do I teach on this specifically twice a year? Because it's so critical and so important to your blessings and your finances. Amen. How many of you know Pastor Sally did not write the Bible? God wrote the Bible. And this is his way to prosperity, to his kind of prosperity. Amen. All right, so uh, it causes a blessing to rest on your house. So number four, he wants our hearts involved when we give. He doesn't want us to just participate to say that we did. He wants you to pray about it. That's why we're fasting and praying so that God will speak an amount that we could pull together, that we could bring in on next Sunday to be part of our first fruit giving. Amen. So next week is a, is a day that we're going to honor God with our giving. We're, of course, we do church, everything the same. We're going to have praise and worship. We're going to have the word going forth. We do everything. But at the end, we're going to honor God with a first fruit offering. It is always the will of God for the people of God to give to the house of God for building the house of God. It's always has been and it always will be. When, when Moses got ready to build the tabernacle. He called for an offering. God said, ask for an offering among the people. Do you know that when Moses called for that offering, that the people brought so much stuff that they said, y'all got to stop. You've brought so much. We don't have anywhere to put all that you've given us. So the people had to be restrained from giving because it was the will of God that the people of God, God's holy people, give to build the house of God. That's what makes the house holy. It's built with holy money. God's holy people giving their money. Amen. So it's always been the will of God. When they got ready to build the temple in Jerusalem, when, when they, they moved into their promised land, and now it's time to build God a more permanent house. David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He danced God's presence all the way in. But they had to build a house for God. And so he called for an offering. He had a big day of giving where they had all the people step forward and get. And David David stepped up and gave first. And he gave of his own treasure. And then the leaders stepped up and they gave. And then all the people came and gave. And what they did was they brought materials for the building of the house. They brought stones and wood and uh, gold and silver because the things of the temple were made of gold and silver. That was a really bad house. That things were made of actual gold and silver, and so they 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 had a day of public giving where they encouraged one another. And I'm telling you, the place went up as they gave. They were so excited that they had given to build the house of God. And so right here is where David is is building the house. He's re- receiving that offering, and he as he gets up stands up to give. This is what he says: First Chronicles twenty nine three. He wanted God wanted their hearts involved. It says, moreover, because I have set My affection on the house of my God. I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. My own special treasure of gold and silver. So David set his affection on the house of God. The Bible says where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. So we give with a heart. Amen. That that uh, give with our hearts toward God. And then look right here down a little bit further. David is praising God. He said, I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want us, our true selves. And so I have given from the heart honestly and happily. And now see all these people doing the same, giving freely, willingly. What a joy. Oh, God, our God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Look at this. Keep this generous spirit alive forever in these people. Always keep their hearts firmly set on you giving is a deeply spiritual action you can't be in your flesh with your arms folded and have a heart that's tender towards god to give amen somebody so when you when you start to feel all bristled up when pastor talks about giving that's your flesh that's your flesh the spirit truly is willing but the flesh is weak So your spirit wants to give, but it's the flesh that we have to overcome. And look, God is not saying that it has to break you. This is not an offering that has to break you. Amen. But this is an offering that we joyfully pull together of our resources, what we have, and then we bring it in and offer it to God to honor him. It's about from the heart honoring God, being grateful for what he's done for us grateful for what he's given us amen is so that we come in with a heart that's full towards him and we honor him with our giving is everybody with me on that all right look what it says here in second corinthians 9 7 it says let each one give as he's made up in his own mind and purposed in his own heart not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion for god loves he takes pleasure in Prizes above other things, and I love this part, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Hallelujah. And look, I love this right before verse seven, of course, is verse six. He says, And remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly, you gotta get the grudgingly out of your heart. You can't you can't sow being grudgingly. You know, is your offering what you want it to be or what you'd like it to be? Maybe not this time around. But be proud of whatever it is. I mean, I remember one, one year, I can remember who it was that, you know, people were stepping up and giving out of their plenty, but one couple stepped up and gave, I think, $5. And everybody was like clapping and so proud that that, that couple had given that $5 was a sacrifice for them to stretch and give that amount. So it's between you and God. It's not about the amount. It's about your heart, and it's about you looking over what you have. So don't anybody listen to the, the, the lie of the devil and say, well, my offering is not enough. It is enough. When the when the widow, but I mean, all the people who came, when Jesus was at the temple, all the people who came and put in the basket, Jesus was looking, watching what they were putting in. And Jesus marveled. This one little widow came up and put in two mites equal to less than half a penny. She put it in, and Jesus said, look at this woman. Look at this woman. It summoned Jesus' attention. Nobody else seemed to notice or care, but her little half a penny caught Jesus' attention more than all of those who put in their big amounts out of their overflow. He said, look at this. Everyone else put in and out of their overflow, but she is put in out of her need. It got Jesus' attention, and Jesus didn't say, ma'am, come on back and we know that this is a stretch for you and, and you've given all, so take, take yours on back. Jesus didn't say that. Why? Because that, that her putting in all her, life. he said she put in all her livelihood, that half a penny was all she had. She put it in. And he, he said, he didn't say come take it back. Why? Because that kind of a seed was going to change everything in her life. It didn't get his attention, those who put in a, out of overflow, but the one who put in out of their need. Because it was a seed that was going to change things for her, Hallelujah. So it's not grudgingly, but God, God is He. He's looking for someone who's a given a giver. So get the grudgingly out, Amen. It says, and he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously, and with blessings. So let me just start that over again. I feel like I got to read it again. Nine six. Remember this: he who sows sparingly and grudgingly. We also reap sparingly and grudgingly. Well, what does that mean? I'm giving it grudgingly with an attitude. What does grudgingly mean? In a reluctant or resentful manner. Why does Pastor Sally have to talk about giving so much? This is on my last nerve. I'll be glad when she gets through with this. That's, that's grudgingly. God put this in his word. And I have to be a faithful steward over the word to make sure you hear it enough so that you'll have enough faith to act on it. Amen. Anybody want to trade places with me? No. He who sows sparingly, sparingly and grudgingly, that means if you're sowing it grudgingly, you're going to get it back grudgingly. You get it back with an attitude. Here. I want somebody to be glad and cheerful and happy about giving to me. Amen? So I want to be cheerful and glad about giving to the kingdom of God. Amen? All right? And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. So that just pray. If you're feeling grudgingly, you just need to shift out of the flesh and into the spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a minute. Read every scripture on giving you can find until you change your mind. Amen? It's a worshipful time. It's a time to honor God. Deuteronomy twenty six, ten through eleven. It says, And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So shall you rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house. So it's a time to rejoice. It's a time to really love on God and say, God, thank you for being such a good provider. Number five, my giving has the potential to bring incredible breakthrough to my life. Think about the potential in your seed. When I give it with the right heart, when I pray about God, what would you have me to give? What does it do in my life? It it causes incredible breakthrough. There's a potential to bring incredible breakthrough to my life. The Philippian church gave to Paul's ministry. The Bible says they gave once And even again, and they gave out of their great need. They gave out of their poverty. They gave once, and then they they scratched around, and they pulled together another offering and gave again to send Paul out to do the ministry. And it triggered this response from Paul. See, we want to go around quoting the Scripture, but you have to go through the process to qualify for it. You can't just quote Scripture without knowing how you qualify. Philippians 4.19, he says, After they had given, he said, and now my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What do you think his riches in glory look like? Unlimited. Looks like more than enough. Looks like overflow. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. This is about giving. Let each one give as he's made up in his own heart. We looked at verse 6 and 7 over here. Now look at verse 8. He says, and God is able to make all grace more than enough, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Deuteronomy 8.18, I love this. And you shall remember the Lord your God. That's what we're going to do next. We to remember the Lord our God. See, He says, when you when you be careful when you move into this land that you didn't build, fill with houses that you didn't fill with all good things. Be careful when you get blessed, because we have a tendency to get amnesia and forget God. So you live in your blessing, and you like I'm, I, you just forget God. He says, don't do that. But it says in Deuteronomy 8, 18, you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So next Sunday, we're going to honor God with our offering. We're going to honor him and we're going to worship him. It's not all we're going to do, but it's part of what we're going to do. Amen. And we're going to participate next week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm excited about this Easter, possibly more excited than I've ever been before about Easter. I've just started preparing earlier, and it feels good. <laughs> I'm excited that we already have our, our cards and that we're, we're ready. We have all the tools we need. I'm excited about the breakthrough movie. I'm excited about, our, our, I'm excited about the yard work that we're doing out there to, to beautify the, the outside of the building for Easter. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt on Easter. Breakfast with the Easter bunny for kids. It's going to be an awesome day. I'm excited. thinking about getting a bouncy house. I was looking at that last night. Just a day to just have fun. Amen? On Easter to just kind of do it a little bigger than we've ever done it before amen i 'm excited about it i 'm excited about our new sanctuary through here that we've we already have the space it 's already ours God just did a, a miracle six thousand square feet of space for a thousand dollars a month that 's unheard of twenty cents a square foot it should be two dollars Nothing but God amen don 't forget our chair campaign we 're buying new chairs and so you can start doing that anytime um Mom's got a, a, go, a, a running tally for me for the ones we've already given. Have, don't you already? You're working on you're, No, I know you don't have it with you, but I know she's working. She has a tally of those who have bought a chair. What we're doing is we're buying a chair for ourselves and as a testimony of our faith for those that will believe in God to save, those of our, our unsaved loved ones, we're buying a chair for them to stand as a testimony of our faith that they will come into the kingdom. And they will sit down in that chair. Amen. So the chairs that we're buying is the testimony of our faith. Amen. They're big, nice chairs. And they're $40 a piece. So anytime you get ready to do that, we can do that all throughout the year. I have about changed my mind and decided to get red. Well, this one gray one. Yeah, but we got too much coolness in here. We need something to warm it up. That that chair already has a stain. What? <laughs> it's already got a stain on it. It's a l- I want to be right with God, but I know that I'm, I'm not right with God right now. You'd say, Pastor Sally, would you pray for me? I want to be right with God. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. Would you pray for me this morning? You'd say, you know, I've, I've never invited Jesus into my heart. Or you might say, well, I've invited him in, but I turned away from him. It's okay. Today is the day you decide to turn back to God. And uh, God is ready with his arms wide open. So I'm going to just lead you in this little simple prayer. If you made it in your heart, you made it in your heart. God hears you and everything changes. Amen. So everybody just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose, and sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry. God, I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place so that I could be forgiven for my sins and put back in right relationship with you. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe God raised you from the dead on the third day teach me guide me fill me with your holy spirit i'm trusting you alone to save me in jesus name well if you prayed that prayer and you met it in your heart inside your welcome packet there's a little card that's called a connection card if you would fill that out or on the back there's a place to put a big check mark that says yes i choose christ i choose uh, christ as my lord So just fill that out. Put a check mark on the back. In a moment, we're going to receive our offering. And as we do, if you'll just drop this in the basket, I'll be sure and get it. And I'll be giving you a call to talk to you about what your next steps are in Christ. Amen. All right. Well, it's offering.